This evening I'm going to be uh, speaking to you um, a message I have entitled Better Beggars. Better Beggars. We're going to be talking about uh, a few things, but we're going to be focusing on the purpose of prayer. The purpose of prayer. Does that sound exciting to you? Yes. Amen. Amen. So, we're going to jump right in and we're going to be uh, really going through the scriptures uh, this evening. So, do you have your Bibles? Yes. yes. Amen. Let's have a word of prayer and then we will jump in. Heavenly Father, we want to ask in a special way that you would please speak to our hearts. Lord, that you would give us wisdom, that you would give us understanding. Father, we want to know what is the purpose of prayer. Father, I ask that you would hide me behind the cross. And Lord, please, may Christ be lifted up. Is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 I uh, hate microphones that cause me to stand still. All right. I'm just going to leave it as it is for now. Okay. So... I believe that one of the greatest needs of the Adventist Church, one of the greatest, perhaps the greatest individual need of everyone who desires to be saved, especially in this time, is a revelation of Jesus Christ. Uh, in fact, I believe prayer is for the sole purpose of seeking a revelation of Jesus Christ. I want to begin with the story of a man by the name of Joseph, and we're going to be going somewhere with this, so let's just talk about Joseph uh, very quickly. Uh, You guys do remember the story of Joseph, yes? Yes. And um, Joseph uh, is one of how many brothers? Twelve. He is one of the younger of twelve brothers. And Joseph ends up having some dreams, prophetic dreams. Uh, We would say that Joseph, uh, in essence, was given the gift of prophecy. And he foretold of certain things that were going to happen. And and his older brothers, the ones who were there on the scene before him, um, really didn't like that too much. They didn't like his prophetic interpretation. And uh, and so uh, eventually, you know the story, they turn against him. Uh, They throw him into a pit. They betray him. They sell him for money uh, and sell him into captivity. Well, um, Joseph miraculously ends up as the second in command in a place called Egypt, Mm -hmm. right? Only behind Pharaoh. And and the way that he got there was that uh, Pharaoh had a dream. And you'll remember the dream having to do with Seven years of plenty and seven years of famine. And, and, and Joseph interprets the dream and Pharaoh is so moved that he, he exalts Joseph to the highest place in the kingdom. Now, I don't know if you're listening to me right now, but if you're listening to me, you should be like really excited right now. And if you don't know why you should be excited right now, I will tell you soon. So, so fear not. Uh, Joseph is exalted to the second in command in the kingdom. And, and what turns out, uh, turns out happening is that the very brothers that had rejected him now 
uh, in time of famine had to come to him. Okay, so, so what I want to point out here is that in this story, there was a time of plenty where Joseph was gathering what? Bread. 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 I, you may be wondering why I'm saying that multiple times. Don't worry about it for right now. But bread. Joseph is gathering bread. It's a time of plenty. And then comes these seven years of famine. So a time of plenty was followed by a time of famine. And generally speaking, those who had not made the preparation uh, of, in the time of good, and when the time of plenty, suffered in the time of famine. Yes? Yes. Yeah. So what we see here is, is a very powerful principle. By the way, let me just jump ahead and do this very quickly. Uh, do, you, do you realize that uh, Joseph, in many ways, being the younger brother, one of the youngest brothers on the scene, in many ways is like the Seventh-day Adventist church? Um, before I go there. You, you understand that Joseph is a type of Jesus Christ yes. who was betrayed by his family. Yes. And, 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 and the very ones that betrayed him and sold him for money uh, and thought that they had gotten rid of him and his uh, prophetic interpretations ends up as the second in command in the kingdom. Yes. And beloved, I believe that Jesus is gathering bread because the time... A famine is coming. Yeah, are you with me so far? Yeah. yeah? So, so now, now let me get back to this Adventist thing for a moment. You see, beloved, the Adventist church uh, is, is, is a pretty new church on the block. Yeah. Our older brothers. Our older brothers have heard our prophetic interpretations and they said, oh, come on, man. Who, who do you think you are? You think that we're going to come to you, and to you? Are you crazy? And so our older brothers don't like us too much, but we love our older brothers. Amen? Yeah. We're just trying to tell them what the Lord has shown us. And so our older brothers are doing everything that they possibly can to get rid of us, not realizing that one day a famine is coming. And who is God going to use in that time of... When people are looking for bread... In fact, open your Bibles with me to the book of Amos chapter 8. Amos chapter 8, and I want you to notice with me Verse 11 and verse 12. Amos chapter 8, verse 11 and verse 12. The Bible says here, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord God, that I will send a famine in the land, not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. Beloved, I believe a famine is coming. What about you? Yes. And I believe... That only those who prepare in the time of plenty will be prepared in the time of famine. I want to show you this pattern again in scripture. By the way, it was when 
the brothers, let me rephrase that, the brothers in searching for bread, Joseph was revealed to them. I'm just going to wait for a second. <laughs> In searching for bread, there was a revelation of Joseph. The greatest need of our church today is a revelation of Jesus Christ. So what I'm suggesting to you is, could it be possible that, that the same search for bread that the brothers went on, which revealed Joseph, might have something to do with how you and I might find Jesus searching for bread. So, there's another pattern. This pattern deals with New Testament times. You see, on the day of Pentecost, God reigned down from heaven. I would call that a time of plenty. Yeah? Where the word of God was flowing out of the disciples and, and the word of God was being spread everywhere. There was a time of plenty, a, a, a time that we would connect with, with what Daniel chapter 9 calls the 70-week prophecy, the coming of Jesus Christ. He, in fact, was the bread of life. But if, we, if the pattern is correct, that a time of plenty is followed by a time of famine, then we can assume, and we don't even need to assume, but we can expect that after this time of plenty in the early New Testament church, that there would be a time of famine. Was there a time of famine after the early church? Yes. The answer is yes. We know that time of famine as the dark ages. And beloved, I believe that it was because of the, the bread that we received during the early church period that the church in the dark ages was able to survive. They had gathered up on the bread so that when time of famine hit, they were able to be sustained. We're talking about prayer, so don't worry. We're getting there. But I want to set this pattern. Time of plenty, time of famine. By the way, how many of you remember a guy by the name of Elijah? Yes. You remember how Elijah, uh, the Bible talks about how Elijah uh, went into the wilderness and um, because a famine had come upon the land. Do you remember that? Yes. And I have a qu question for you. Uh, how long did this famine last? Three and a half years. 42 months. Go <laughs> 42 months. Elijah's famine lasts 42 months. He's hiding in the wilderness. He's being fed. He is high. <laughs> A woman named Jezebel. In other words, beloved, I believe, I believe that, that Elijah's famine is a symbol or a type of the famine of the Dark Ages. 
when the church itself fled into the wilderness and God nourished her for a time, times, and half a time. Time of plenty followed by time of famine. All right, one more cycle. I believe that God did something special in 1844. I would call that a time of plenty. Where God poured out special blessing upon his church and gave an amazing revelation of Jesus Christ. Of the word of God. And and I believe that time of plenty is still now. Praise the Lord. But as we have seen, a time of plenty will be followed by a time of famine. So we know, church, that a famine is coming. A famine is coming. And unless we have gathered up the bread, we will not make it through the famine. So, just as the brothers discovered Joseph as a result of searching for bread, I believe that the greatest need of the church today is a revelation of Jesus Christ. And somehow or another, the revelation of Jesus Christ must be connected with searching for bread. We're told in Great Controversy, page 593, none but those who have fortified the mind with the truth of God's, with the truths of the Bible will stand through the last great conflict. So our minds need to be fortified with the word of God in times of plenty. Only those church who value the bread in good times will survive and will be nourished during the time of famine. Amen? Amen. In fact, Matthew 4, 4 tells us, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every what? Word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So listen carefully. The time of trouble is all about character. Yes? We must have the character of Jesus Christ. The, the, The time of trouble is an issue dealing with character. It's a character problem. So the question is, what is the answer to our character problem? Well, turn with me to Psalm 119 and verse 9. Psalm 119 and verse 9. The Bible tells us here, Psalm 119 and verse 9. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way, purify his character, be made right with God? How will a young man do that? By taking heed thereto according to thy what? Word. So listen carefully, guys. According to the Bible, the Word of God cleanses our what? Our character. So, listen carefully. Bread cleanses character. Yeah? Nationally, by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So, bread cleanses character. So, what we need then is more bread we need plenty of bread alright so now here's the next question how do we get bread sound like a fair question how do we get bread I want you to notice with me Isaiah 55 and verse 10 Isaiah 55 
and verse 10. Notice what the Bible says. For as the rain cometh down, and snow from heaven, and returneth, returneth not thither, but watereth the earth, and maketh it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower, and what? Bread to the who? To the eater. So check this out. Listen carefully. The issue in the time of trouble is character. In order for our characters to be right, we need bread. But in order to get bread, we need rain. Okay. <laughs> rain provides bread for the eater. If there's no rain, there can be no bread. Are, are you with me? Yes. So rain provides bread, which cleanses character, which sustains us in the time of trouble. So if we want more bread, we need rain. More rain. So the question is, what's the question? How do we get How do we get rain? Well, let's see. Does the Bible tell us? Let's go to the book of 1 Chronicles chapter 7. 1 Chronicles. First Chronicles chapter 7. I'm sorry, 2 Chronicles. I'm sorry. 2 Chronicles chapter 7 verse 13. The Bible says here, if I shut up heaven that there be no what? Rain. No rain. Or if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among my people, if my people, which are called by my name, shall what? Number one, humble themselves. Number two, pray. Number three, seek my face. And number four, turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and will heal their land. Yeah? So, so watch the progression here. In order for us to survive in the time of famine, the time of trouble, several things need to happen. We need to have the right character. But in order to have the right character, we need bread. But in order to have bread, we need rain. And in order to have rain, we need to pray. Huh? So listen then, the purpose of prayer is not necessarily just so that rain can fall. The rain is falling for a purpose. The purpose is to produce bread so that the bread can purify our characters. Listen, guys, it's not prayer, rain, character purified. It's prayer, rain, bread. Bread, character purified. Are you following what I'm saying here? 
Listen. So, four things that are needed. Humble. Pray. Seek. Turn. Leads to rain. Which leads to bread. Which leads to character. Did you guys follow that just now? So, humble. Pray. Seek. Turn. Leads to rain. Which leads to bread. Which leads to character. You see, beloved, rain and bread are so closely connected that in Exodus 16, God actually says, I will rain bread. So closely connected. I will rain bread to see if you will be obedient. To test your character. In fact, in Deuteronomy 32 and verse 2, the the Bible says, My doctrine shall drop as the rain. Oh, wow. My speech shall distill as the dew, as the small rain upon the tender herb, and as the showers upon the grass. So, So in Deuteronomy 32, God is likening doctrine to rain. Teaching to rain. But the only way the rain can come is if my people which are called by my name, will humble themselves. Humble themselves, pray, seek, and turn. Yes? So, 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 watch this. How many of you remember the revival that took place in the book of Acts chapter 2? That is a major revival, right? That is the essence of revival. When we talk about revival, that's where we go. Amen? So, so my question is, uh, what is it that brought about the revival? Prayer? Yeah? Acts, I mean, uh, Acts chapter 2, what were they doing? They were praying. Right? They were praying. But I want to show you something. I want to show you something. I believe that the revival in Acts chapter 2 began in Luke 24. So go with me to Luke 24, and I want you to notice what Luke 24 says. Luke chapter 2. 24. Now, just to let you know, I am remaining calm on purpose right now. (laughs) Luke 24, verse 15. And you know the story, right? This is the story of of the two disciples who are walking on the road to Emmaus, right? And as they're walking on the road to Emmaus, what's going on with them? They They are pretty sad because... Their Savior, the one they thought was the Messiah, has just died. Yeah? And so they're just like, you know, they are depressed. They are discouraged. They are saddened. And the Bible tells us in verse 13, Behold, two of them went that same day to to a village called Emmaus, which was from Jerusalem, about three score furlongs. And they talked together of all these things that had happened. And it came to pass that while they communed together and reasoned, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. Now, I want you to notice this next verse. But their eyes were holding that they should not know him. They did not recognize Jesus. You know what they needed at this moment? What do you think they needed? A revelation of Jesus Christ. Okay, no, you didn't get that just now. (laughs) A revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, 
I believe that there is a reason why Jesus did not reveal himself to them. I believe it says something about the past, the disciples' past. So, they don't recognize him. They don't want everyone? They don't recognize him. They are sad. They are discouraged. And I can imagine Jesus thinking, man, you know, you guys need to, like, lighten up. You know, you guys need to what, everyone? Lighten up. Lighten up. Lighten up. Just, why, why are you so discouraged, sad, depressed? Lighten up. <laughs> so... The Bible tells us that they begin to explain to him all these things that are happening, you know, all the reasons why they should be depressed, right? And then notice what Jesus says in verse 25. Then he said unto them, O fools and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets. Pause right here. All right. Time to move. Let's say that you die. And by some miraculous way, you came back to life. You knew that your family was suffering, they were sad, and you wanted to surprise them. Okay, no, you wanted to make them happy. <laughs> not going to surprise you. You wanted to make them happy. What would you do? Come on, we all do the same thing. What would you do? You want to get them out of their depression. You want to, you want to get them happy again. You want to uh, cause them to lighten up. You want to cause them to smile. What are you going to do? You're going to show them, hey, look, I'm alive. Why doesn't Jesus do that? What does he do instead? He gives them a Bible study. Some of you said it. He gives them bread. Now, I don't know. I don't know if any of you have ever lost a loved one. And, you know, when, when you lose a loved one, it's not the right time to like, you know, even giving a Bible study and sharing verses. Sometimes people are just not in the mood. to. They just want. Sometimes no words are better than some words. Right. You know, you know, all the verses that I heard that. Uh, please, I'm suffering right now. This is how the disciples felt. So check this out. The Bible says, beginning from Moses and the prophets. He began to expound unto them in the scriptures all the things concerning himself. Himself. He was revealing to them himself in the bread. Now, I believe that the reason why the disciples did not recognize him, the reason why Christ held his, his identity back was because he was trying to show them, listen, you have been reading the scriptures and you have been reading it in an attitude of when are we going to be delivered from Rome and you have missed the Messiah in the scriptures. You have not seen the revelation of Jesus Christ in the scriptures. And so he begins to take them on this Bible study. And beloved, I want you to think about what kind of Bible study that must have been. Because at the end of the Bible study, these disciples are so amazed that they currently forget their misery. 
How deep of a Bible study must that have been that they forgot their misery? So you know what it says, right? Jesus is, is walking in, and, and he's about to, by the way, how many, how many of us read the Bible without having the revelation of Jesus Christ? And therefore find ourselves in the same mental condition of the disciples as they were on the road to Emmaus. Jesus wanted their joy to be based upon bread. Jesus wanted their joy, their happiness, to be based upon what they found in the scriptures. So as Jesus is about to make as he's going on, they're like, no, 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 stay with us. And the Bible says he stayed with them and he sat down at the table and what does he do? He breaks bread. And the moment he breaks bread, their eyes are opened and they knew him. Was that the first time Jesus was breaking bread with them in the story? No. He had been breaking bread with them all the way on the walk to Emmaus. So look what happens. They said, did not our hearts burn? Did not our heart burn? Did not our heart burn? Beloved, God wants to give us heartburn. (laughs) You know when you get heartburn? After you eat. Beloved, I can imagine that their faces must have lighted up. Remember, Jesus wanted them to, come on, man. Why are you so discouraged? Lighten up. I believe their faces lighted up as a result of what they saw in the Bible, as a result of a Bible study that Jesus gives them that reveals to them his character so do you know what Jesus was actually doing he was unlocking the scriptures he was unlocking glory in the scriptures listen how many of you remember a man by the name of Moses yes who wanted to see the glory of God And you remember that when he saw the glory of God, his face lighted up. By the way, on the day of Pentecost, listen carefully. I got to say that. I got to say that. On the day of Pentecost, were the disciples' faces lighted up? Yes or no? Okay, if fire is resting on top of you, that means your face is lighted up. <laughs> Amen? So, so their face were, faces were lighted up as a result of the glory they were beholding. But the glory that they saw began on that road to Emmaus. The Bible says Jesus spent 40 days with them. Okay, now stop for a second. I, 
in one Bible study from, from wherever they were walking to Emmaus, they got heartburn. Jesus stays a total of 40 days. What do you think he's doing with them during those 40 days? Beloved, listen to me. When the disciples go into the upper room at the beginning of day one, they're not in the upper room like, Their minds are already blown. They are already burning. The fire falling was simply signifying what was already happening in their hearts. So look, you remember Moses, right? And Moses asked to see the glory of God. I want you to notice it with me. Exodus chapter 33 and verse 18. Exodus chapter 33 and verse 18. Exodus 33, verse 18. The Bible says here, and he said, I beseech thee, show me thy what? Show me thy glory. I beseech thee. I got a question for you. What does the word mean? What does the word beseech mean? To what? To request? All right. What does it mean? Beg. It means to plead. It's not just like, uh, hey, can I borrow a dollar? When someone is beseeching you for a dollar, <laughs> that is different from asking for a dollar. Many of us ask. Not many of us beseech. Beseeching is an act of begging. And Moses begged. I beseech thee. I, mean, I, I like the way that... I ask thee. No, 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 no. I ask thee would have been so weak. I beseech thee. Like this is so important to me. You don't understand. I need to see your glory. I beseech thee. Show me your glory. And so the Bible says that God descends and what does God do? God hides him in a cleft of the rock and then God does something amazing. God declares his name. But his name is equal to his character. Which means his character is his glory. I beseech thee, show me thy glory. And Moses is, the name of God is revealed to Moses, which means that the name of God is equal to the character of God. And at the end of this, guess what? Moses lightened up. His face shone with the glory of God. Why? Because a Bible principle is laid out. The Bible principle very simply says this. By beholding... So, so, so. Here's a question. Here's a question. We can't see God today. Or can we? We need a revelation of Jesus Christ. Why? Because by beholding the revelation of Jesus Christ, we will become changed into the image of Jesus Christ. So the question is, where do we behold 
the glory of God. Well, the Bible tells us that it is in the face of Jesus Christ. So when we, when we study the Bible, listen guys, we ought to be begging. Lord, I beseech thee, when I open up the Bible today, show me thy glory. But I believe that the main purpose of prayer is not to ask for things. The main purpose of prayer is to unlock the glory found within the scripture and then by beholding that glory, we become changed into the image of Jesus Christ. It's not asking for the glory. It's begging. I beseech thee, show me thy glory. And so listen to this. In early writings, page 278, it says this. Servants of God, endowed with power from on high, with their faces lighted up, and shining with holy consecration, went forth to proclaim the message from heaven. The question is, how is it that our faces get lighted up? It is by beholding the character of God. But we cannot behold the character of God which is found in the bread of God if we are not praying for rain to increase the bread. So that rain falls on that scripture and we're reading and we're going, whoa, this is a picture of Christ, a, a dimension of Christ I have not seen. Lord, help me to behold this picture and by beholding it, I will become changed. John 5, 39, Jesus says, You search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, but these are they which do what? Testify of me. So what do the scriptures do? They testify of Jesus. They testify of Jesus. I want you to listen to this carefully. Christ Object Lessons, page 115. Every page of the Holy Scripture shines with his light. All right, you're going to make me get excited alone by myself seriously like like you're wondering okay pastor where do I go in the scriptures to, to find light that's not the question because every page has his light every page has his light listen again Desire of Ages, page 211, in every page, whether history or precept or prophecy, the Old Testament scriptures are irradiated with the glory of the Son of God. That means the glory of the Son of God is found within every page of the scripture, and it is the best place for us to get a picture of Jesus, and by beholding that picture, we become changed. But the picture will not unlock for us unless we know how to ask for rain to fall so I want my face to be lighted up amen? amen so if I want my face to be lighted up the Bible says by beholding I become changed so my face needs to be in this book my face needs to be in this book
face? Face? <laughs> My face, if I want it to light up, must be in the book. Because in the book, listen, how many of you, how many of you have ever like, discovered an, an old picture of a grandma or a great uncle and just in that old picture it's just like you learned so much about that person's character you know you it's a rare picture you st and you go wow this is uncle freddy wow i didn't know he w and something about that picture unlocks something about the character of uncle freddy that you would have never known having not seen that picture yeah well, listen, guys, the Bible is it's like an album. How many of you have albums at home? Picture family albums. The Bible is God's album of Jesus Christ. But in order to unlock the picture, we have to pray for the rain. So check this out. Uh, I'm going to give you an example. And then we're going to go into some other examples. And we're going to do this as quickly as we can. But listen. How many of you remember a man by the name of David? Yeah? And David was a good guy, right? But, but, but then he had an event that really messed things up for him. He committed adultery. And, and he, has, uh, uh, he has Bathsheba. He gets Bathsheba pregnant. And the Bible says that he kills, he causes to be killed Uriah. Now, I want you to go with me to 2 Samuel. 2 Samuel. Uh, and chapter 12, 2 Samuel chapter 12. Now, as you're turning there, I want to read a verse to you. I want you to listen carefully. As you're turning there, 2 Samuel chapter 12. In John 16 verse 12, Jesus says this, I have yet many things to say unto you, but you cannot bear them now. Howbeit when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. And listen, he shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine and shall show it unto you. What is the job of the Holy Spirit? To give us a revelation of Jesus Christ. So when we pray for the Holy Spirit, guys, if we could learn how to focus our prayers to say, Lord, all I want. I don't want a car. I don't want, I'm, yeah, 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 those things. But, but the primary thing that I'm asking for is I want the Holy Spirit to reveal unto me Jesus' glory. And the best place that his glory is seen is in the scriptures. Now, many of us read the Bible and we read it with this whole hum kind of attitude. If you saw the glory of God, you would pass out. Yes? So, beloved, one of the evidences of a good thing is when you almost want to pass out. <laughs> like when you read the Bible and you're like, you know what, I think I need to pass out right about now. You must be seeing something really good. 
that's what the disciples experienced. They were like, what? I mean, imagine Jesus going through the scriptures with them. The scriptures they had always read. So them saying, man, I always, how many of you ever had that experience? I've always read that verse, and man, I never saw that. Yeah. And it's almost like, I want to pass out right now. Well, how can I pass out? Can somebody help me just to pass out right now? Because this is just too amazing. You know, so, 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 so we're praying, Holy Spirit, please reveal to me the glory of God because that is the job description of the Holy Spirit. It's not to give you things. <laughs> you know, it's not to get you a job. I mean, yes, those things are, 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 are side, you know, benefits. But the main purpose of the Spirit is to glorify Jesus Christ. Jeremiah chapter 29 verse 12 it says this then shall you call upon me and you shall go and pray unto me and I will hearken unto you and you shall seek me and find me when you let's rephrase that when you beg no 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 no. you're not begging right now you're just asking I need you to know what it means to beg. And you say, but pastor, the Bible says, ask and you shall receive. Do you know the Greek word therefore ask means beg? <laughs> so, so asking means praying. So true prayer is begging. <laughs> so, so many of us are like too proud to beg. I, I'm not going to take you there, so get it out of your mind. <laughs> Too proud to beg. God says, listen, I need you to be so low that you're willing to beg. That you're willing to beg. So, 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 listen. Uh, 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 Rory, Matthew, I'm sorry. Uh, Second Samuel, right? Second Samuel, I know I have left you hanging for some time. Second Samuel chapter 12, and I want you to notice this. So, so the prophet Nathan comes to David and says, David, you have sinned, and David, is, he's convicted, and he repents. Amen? Yeah. So say praise God. Amen? He repents. Does he die? No. no, he doesn't. But check this out. Remember that she was pregnant. And the Bible says, how be it, because this deed, verse 14, this is Nathan speaking, in fact, verse 13, and David said unto Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said unto David, uh, the Lord also has put away thy sin. Thou shalt not die. Someone say amen. amen. How be it, because by this deed thou hast given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme, the child also that is born unto thee shall what? Yeah. Surely die. And the child died. Yeah? That's kind of a messed up story, huh? Yeah? Except it's not messed up. It is messed up. But you might say praise the Lord to this story. Yeah. Just say praise the, Lord. praise the Lord. You don't know why you're saying praise the Lord, do you? Check this out, guys. David's child dies. We don't have a name for him. All we know that it's a boy. Guys, the son of David. <laughs> Having done no wrong. 
Does anybody feel like passing out right about now? <laughs> the son of David, having done no wrong, suffers that someone else might live. Now here is a picture that many of us have read and have just passed by as, oh yeah, some crazy story in the Bible. But what we are seeing is that the Bible is God's album of his son Jesus. Imagine God up in heaven turned the page and look at this picture. <laughs> like a doting father. Look, here's a picture of my son. And see, just as he died that others may live. I want you to behold that. Because when you behold that, that glory, by beholding that glory, you, your character changes into the same image. You begin to say, man, this is what Jesus, what? It's a picture you never saw. This is what Jesus did? Oh, man. Let me, let me just look at that picture. Face, book. And by beholding his glory, we become changed into his image. The glory of Jesus Christ is found all over the scriptures, but, but the only way we can unlock the glory is through prayer. Lord, help me to stop praying about this problem and, and that problem so much. All my prayers are so self-centered. I'm going through this problem today and tomorrow is that problem. And oh yeah, I got this problem over here and that problem. And the disciples, they were always worried about their problems. How are we going to do? What's going to happen with Israel? Jesus says, look, I want you to see me. I want you to focus on the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. So check it out. When we study the Bible, we often study it selfishly. What can I get for me? When we pray, we often pray selfishly. What can I get from me? God says, direct your prayer to the, to, to the revelation of Jesus Christ and your study to the revelation of Jesus Christ and bread will change your character. Yeah, 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 yeah. Bread will change who you are. So, can you imagine the Bible study Jesus must have given the disciples? Can you imagine, starting from Moses and the prophets, can you imagine perhaps starting in the book of Genesis and, 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 and Jesus maybe saying something like, hey, you know how in the beginning, uh, on the first day, light was created? Do you know that the Messiah was that light? Do you know how on day two, the Bible talks about waters? Do you know that Jesus is the water of life? Do you know on, on day three how the Bible says that the fruit came forth from the ground? Do you realize that the Messiah comes forth? On the third day, the first fruits came up from the ground. You're going to make me get excited all alone up in here, right now by myself, right? Do you know not on fourth day how God put the greater light and the lesser light in the sky? Do you know that, that Jesus Christ is the greater light and the Bible is that which points, the, uh, the Bible as the lesser light points to Jesus the greater light? Day five, God creates the fish. Do you know that Jesus is the fisher of men? 
Day six, God created man in his image. Do you know that Jesus is the man made in the image of God? He is the second Adam. Day seven, the Bible says God rested. Do you know Jesus rested on day seven? In the tomb? By the way, do you know Jesus says, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest? How about Genesis 2, where God says, uh, where the Bible tells us that, that God put Adam to sleep and brought from his, from his open side his wife. Do you know that Jesus was also put to sleep, the second Adam, and his side was opened up, and from that side came forth his bride, the church? Or what about this? A man shall leave his mother and his father and cleave to, the, to, to, to his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. Do you know that Jesus was in heaven and saw a woman that he liked? Father, I think I like her. Father says, okay, son, go. He goes and he, he leaves his father to become one flesh. Genesis 3 where the Bible says that God put a flaming sword around the tree of life to keep it beloved do you realize that Jesus Christ on the cross is now the true is now the tree of life that the cross is the tree of life and listen just as in that time if one were to reach for the cross the flaming sword around it meant certain death so in this day to reach for the cross means certain death <laughs> you want the cross you must surely die <laughs> you must surely die beloved how about Genesis 4 where the Bible says that Abel was a keeper of the sheep Abel was a Abel was a shepherd okay. Abel was killed for his righteousness and he was a shepherd one who led sheep <laughs> Beloved, Genesis 5, Enoch walks with God, shows us, reveals to us Christ who walked with God and had no sin. How about Genesis 6 where Noah, <laughs> Noah is called to build an ark. He's the only one found righteous just as Jesus Christ was the only man found righteous and God makes his covenant with Jesus Christ. Or how about in Genesis 7, where salvation comes through a piece of wood lifted up above the earth? Okay, I'm going to wait. <laughs> salvation, guys, comes through a piece of wood lifted up above the earth. And I, if I be what? Lifted up from the earth will do what? Draw all men unto me. Beloved, when we begin to behold these pictures we begin to see some amazing things unfold and beloved i believe that it can only come by prayer praying holy spirit please reveal to me christ in all the scriptures because that's how i get bread in time of plenty teach me how to beg lord you know in genesis 8 noah leads uh, his people from an old world to a new world And a rainbow is put up to show that the world will never be destroyed again by water. Just as Jesus Christ will lead uh, uh, his people from the old world to the new world. And the rainbow in heaven will be a symbol that there will be no more destruction forever. 
Beloved, listen, in Genesis 9, you know that story of Shem, Hap, uh, uh, Shem Ham, and Japheth? And how Japheth gains a blessing because he doesn't look at his father's nakedness. He turns backward and walks backward and covers his father's shame. Do you know that that is a revelation of Jesus Christ who is not interested in seeing our wickedness? Who is not interested in exposing our sin? But he turns backward and says, no, no, I'm not going to expose your shame. My purpose is to cover you. Beloved, we could go on and on and on. Jesus Christ is revealed in all the scriptures, but in order for the bread to be broken open, we have to pray, Lord, we have to beg. Lord, give me your spirit that I may see the glory of God in the scriptures, and by beholding that glory, I will be changed. Genesis 11, a tower is built. You remember that tower? And what did God do? He comes down and confounds their languages because men had gathered together to try to reach heaven in a corrupt way. Well, guess what? In the book of Acts chapter 2, man discovers how to reach heaven. The right way. And you know what God does? He comes down again. And instead of confounding their language... Beloved, as we learn what it means to behold the glory of God in all the scriptures, something begins, we begin to enjoy Bible study and prayer more than TV. I have to tell you something. If, you, if you've heard my testimony before, you may have heard this, but I share that when I first became an Adventist, I was blown away by everything. No, you don't get it. You don't get it. I was blown away by everything. I was a hip-hop artist, dreadlocks, all that. I remember the first time I walked into an Adventist church, and, and I'll tell you a story right now. Like when I first became an Adventist, and I, you know, grew, I was baptized in an in a, in a, um, all-black Adventist church. So I thought that Adventism was an all-black movement. <laughs> so I go to this church, first time going to the church, and it doesn't, the pastor, if the pastor said, beloved, remember that Jesus is God, I lost my mind. <laughs> I was like, what? Did you hear that? Me and all my friends, we were all just straight off the street, just, you know, just hip hoppers, just, and we just lost it. What do you hear? And we would look, and, 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 we, and the pastor would say, remember to pay your tithe. What? Do you hear that? Tithe, baby, what? We're going to run the world, man. They got everyone going to be paying tithe. What? And something blew our minds because as we were getting excited, the other people sitting around us were like this. (laughs) And I didn't know if that was like the Adventist form of excitement or what, you know. (laughs) So now I'm just like, hey, I'm going to be excited with you. Because silence is the new excitement. (laughs) But it just confounded me because I was like, wait a minute. How can you guys be hearing this stuff? Jesus is the Messiah and sit still like that. 
It blew my mind. It blew my mind. That was 20 years ago. I, I still deal with the same thing today. <laughs> I'm still like, okay, did you not just hear what the world just said? So I just get excited with you. But beloved, there comes a point when the word of God begins to become so rich that you can't do this anymore. You have to be like, what? Did you just hear that? And beloved, when you get to that place, guess what? TV and, and, and all the things, oh, you know what, I'm bored. Th those things don't matter anymore. And the books that we used to read, oh, you know, uh, this is boring, the Bible is boring. No, suddenly the Bible, you, you are craving it like a beggar. You are like a beggar hanging on to this thing like it's your only possession. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> you guys are making me work for this. <laughs> How much time do I have? So. <laughs> so. Listen carefully. How much? 23? Wow. Oh, okay. 23 minutes. Prophetic time. 23 minutes prophetic time. Day for your principle. Yeah, now I gotta skip things here. Um, okay, so let's see how quickly I can do this. Um, I'll share with you one more, and then we'll get into the message. <laughs> pray. Pray, church. Pray that God will reveal precious gems of truth to you because it is that revelation that sets the heart on fire and when the heart is on fire the devil gets scared the, a, a burning heart solves all your problems did you hear that a burning heart solves all your problems. When the, when the serpents on the ground were biting at, the, at, at Israel and God told Moses to make a brazen serpent and put it up on a pole, lift it up so the people had to look up instead of down, that was a challenge. Because we are typically wanting to look down at the serpents on the ground to protect ourselves from being bitten. God says, no, look up. But what about it? look up? Listen, when you go to the Bible, look up. When you go to pray, look up. We can become so focused with praying about the serpents in our lives. And I know that we have serpents in our lives. Don't look at, at your... Okay. Yes, I know that there are people who are... Yeah, I, I get it. But look up. Look up. And when we begin to look up, Jesus is going to bless us because we're going to be seeing things from the word of God that's going to take our attention off of the misery of this world. Yeah? So look, Adam. You remember Adam? You know, he, he, he was the beginning of creation. Yeah, and then comes Noah. 
and, and Noah reveals sin and, and the results of sin. You remember that? And then comes Abraham. And Abraham is a father of a great nation. That means that all of Israel uh, would, would, would be Abraham's seed. And then comes a man by the name of Isaac, who was a type of Jesus Christ through his almost sacrifice. You remember that? So from Adam to Isaac, you have in chronological order a shadow of the whole Old Testament. Do you guys catch that just now? Okay, and so, and so, here after Isaac, listen, remember, Adam, creation, Noah, the results of sin, Abraham, the whole nation of Israel, Isaac, Jesus Christ comes, and is sacrificed on our behalf. Who comes after Isaac? Jacob. Jacob is a twin, the younger twin. The birthright was supposed to go to the older twin. But the younger twin gets it because Jacob, the older twin, rejected for food. (laughs) In the same way, beloved, after the death of Christ, there was a twin. It's called spiritual Israel. It was the younger twin to literal Israel. And spiritual Israel gains the birthright where literal Israel failed. Now, after uh, Jacob comes a man by the name of Joseph. Remember the story of Joseph? How how he was sent ahead to prepare a place for his brothers? (laughs) But before he could let them into that place, there had to be an investigative judgment. You want bread? <laughs> you want to come into my kingdom? Let me, let, me, let me test you. And how does he test them? By seeing how they treat Benjamin. Benjamin is the youngest of the brothers. <laughs> how you treat the least of these, my brethren... Reveals how you would treat me. So in this time, we see a picture of Jesus saying, listen, I save those who treat the least of these as how they would treat me. You see, beloved, it is as we learn how to pray and say, Lord, let me stop looking for what can I get for myself. Let me start looking for Christ and forget about self. Forget about self in prayer. Forget about self in study. Let me focus on Christ. And by beholding a serpent on the pole, I don't have to worry about serpents because God has me covered. So, how much time do I have now? (laughs) Listen, on the day of Pentecost, you remember when Peter gives his sermon? Do you know what Peter is doing in his sermon? The rain falls. You remember that? And then Peter's quotes some verses that we're like, huh? He says, look, this is that which is being fulfilled, which is spoken of in the book of Joel. That in the last days, your son shall dream dreams and your, and your daughter see visions and etc. You remember that? And the son shall be turned to black. And he says, this is being fulfilled. And how many of you read that and been like, what? What is he talking about? This is being fulfilled. How many of you read that? How many of you ever read that verse and thought, man, his exegesis is totally off because that's not, Joel 2 is not talking about what Peter is saying it's talking about. Beloved, 
It was the Holy Spirit that broke open Joel chapter 2 for Peter to give him that interpretation. You see, remember, when you read Joel chapter 2, it's very similar. The book of Joel chapter 2 is talking about Babylon, this nation from the north, who would come after Israel and destroy them, but those who wept and cried out to God would be saved from the coming destruction. Peter, in quoting that verse, is saying, listen, Rome is about to destroy Israel. And now is your chance to call upon the name of the Lord. And all who call upon that name will be saved from the coming destruction. But he only quotes a little part of the chapter. You would think, where in the world is he getting that from? But the Holy Spirit takes that verse and unlocks the glory, showing that it was pointing to Jesus Christ as Israel's only hope to to escape destruction. And then when he says, look, you know, David, how the Bible, how David said, uh, uh, um, uh, you know, you will not leave my soul in hell. Guess what? That verse really isn't talking about David. (laughs) The Holy Spirit led him because the rain fell. He began to see the glory of Jesus in the scriptures. Now, how much time do I have left? (laughs) Listen. I, I will do this. Forget my notes now. The parable of Lazarus and the rich man. Let me just break it down for you very quickly. You see, beloved, Lazarus was a rich man. His table was spread with all kinds of food. Lazarus was clothed in fine linen, representing the righteousness of the saints. I'm sorry, the rich man was clothed in fine linen, representing the righteousness of the saints. Yeah? And, and he had all kinds of food and sustenance, suggesting, beloved, he's eating, he, and the rich man calls Abraham his father, suggesting that the rich man was a symbol or type of Israel, who, who was increased with goods and having need of nothing. But here is Lazarus, a man who is poor, wretched, that he's covered in sores, he's laid up outside the gates of the rich man's house. <laughs> outside the gates of the rich man's house. And so the question is, whoever this man Lazarus represents, the Jews looked down on him as being cursed of God. But you know the story, Lazarus dies and the rich man dies and, 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 and the rich man is, is in hell and wants a drop of water while Lazarus is in heaven. Yeah, you know the story? Yeah. So the question is, how is it that this poor, wretched man is saved while the rich man who had all this bread was lost? And the answer is profound. It's very simple. Lazarus was a beggar. Lazarus was a beggar. That's what saved him. Lazarus realized the value of a crumb. Let me, let me talk symbolically now if I will. Lazarus would look at 2 Samuel chapter 12, see the son of David die and say, Lord, I know it looks like a crumb, but please, Lord, give me something from this. <laughs> Lazarus recognized the value of the crumb. The rich man was lost with the word of God in his presence. 
rich increased with goods and need of how much? Nothing. Nothing. Beloved, the rich man took for granted the word of God. Lazarus appreciated the value of a crumb. If I just get a crumb, I will be excited and I will be thankful because that's how beggars are. Beggars appreciate crumbs. By the way, the Bible tells you, remember that story of the woman who, who she was asking for her daughter to be healed? And Jesus said, it is not fit to give the children's bread to the dogs. Now, most of you would have been like, what did you just call me? You did not just call me a dog. You know what the woman says? She says, yes, Lord, even the dogs eat of the crumbs. She was so humble. She said, look, if all I get is crumbs, I'll be happy with that. But please, I appreciate the crumbs. I value the crumbs. I, Lord, please, please give me the crumbs. While the rich man was like, see, <laughs> the rich man, Lazarus, please, just a crumb. Just a crumb, man. Just a crumb. Just give me a crumb. Just give me a crumb. By the way, you know what crumbs are? They're little pieces of bread. I can't wait to get... Do you know that God has a table in heaven? I can't wait. Listen, the table in heaven is where the bread is at. Which means that what we're getting down here on earth is just crumbs. All the stuff you just heard? Crumbs. The angels are looking down in heaven right now. Wait till they get up here. <laughs> Wait till they see what blows angels' minds. So this is just crumbs. But Lazarus understood the value of the crumb. Beloved, you and I must understand the value of the crumb. And the only way we can understand that value is by praying, Lord, please send me the Holy Spirit, not for this reason or that reason, but so that I can see the glory of God revealed in the scripture. So, very quickly, I know I have very little time left. I want to share with you four things that we can learn about beggars. Number one, beggars have no pride. (laughs) Beggars have no pride. We can learn something from beggars. Beggars have no pride. They humble themselves. If my people, which are called by my name, will humble, beggars have no pride. Are you with me? Number two, beggars recognize their need. Beggars recognize their need. Beggars know they are in need. And beloved, the greatest need of the church is a revelation of Jesus Christ. We must seek his face. So, if my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves, and seek my face. Number three, beggars are always begging. Oh, no, 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 no. Beggars are always begging. Why? Because they don't take their next meal for granted. They are always begging. Beloved, you and I must learn how to beg always, how to pray always. So, if my people which are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, beg, And seek my face, the glory of God, face, book. (laughs) Number four, beggars don't have much pleasure in this world. (laughs) 
Beloved, we must learn not to have much pleasure in this world. We must learn to turn from our wicked ways. If my people, which are called by my name, will act like beggars. If they were to humble themselves like beggars and beg like beggars and realize their need and seek my face like beggars and not have that much pleasure or joy in the world and, and, and turn from their wicked ways like beggars, then, then I'm going to send rain. And rain is going to bring forth bread. And bread is going to change character. All right. I know I have like one minute left. I want to give you the best example of the best beggar in the whole world. It was Jesus Christ. Christ was a homeless beggar. I did not catch that. <laughs> Christ was a homeless beggar. You say, Pastor, he was not a beggar. Let me show it to you in the scripture. Quickly with me, quickly, please. Second Chronicles, chapter, Second Corinthians, chapter eight, and verse nine. We're wrapping up that. Second, Second Corinthians, chapter eight, and verse nine. Second Corinthians, chapter eight, and verse nine. For you know that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. The Greek word for poor, tochos, it means beggar. It literally means beggar. Christ became a beggar for us. See him begging in the Garden of Gethsemane. See him begging. Begging, Father, don't separate from me. See him begging on the cross. Father, forgive them. He wasn't asking. He was begging. Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. But I would see Christ begging night and day. Night and day. To reflect the image of his father rightly to the people. Christ, church, was the ultimate beggar. And as a result of his begging, just like Elijah at the end of the three and a half years offered up a sacrifice and then rain fell, so Jesus, let me, let me be quiet with you. So Jesus, at the end of three and a half years of ministry, offers up a sacrifice at the time of the evening oblation, and the result is rain. Is rain. So, do you know who Lazarus is? He's Jesus. See the divine Lazarus of God covered in sores, laid up outside the gates of the rich man's house. Okay. Laid up outside the gates of the rich man's, the gates of Jerusalem. 
And listen carefully, guys. You know what happened, right? Lazarus dies. And he is taken to the father's bosom. Oh, excuse me while I get excited all by myself. He's not taken there immediately. He dies, is buried, resurrected, and then taken to the father's bosom. So you remember what happens, right? The rich man says, hey, send someone, send Lazarus back. And then we will hear. Abraham says no. Even if one rose from the dead. They have Moses and the prophets. If they will not hear the word of God, if they will not see the glory of God revealed, it doesn't matter what happens. Even if one rose from the dead, did one rose from the dead? And what did they do with him when he rose from the dead? They still rejected. Beloved, my appeal to you. Pray. Pray. Like you've never prayed before. Pray, not for this thing and that. Yes, I'm not saying don't pray for those things, but I'm saying turn your prayers to the word of God. Focus upon Christ in your prayer and in your Bible study. And I believe that God will equip you and prepare you for the time of famine that is soon to come upon this world. Heavenly Father, thank you for speaking to us. Thank you for revealing to us your glory. Thank you for helping us to see, Lord, that before we can get the bread, we must pray for the rain. Thank you, Lord. Set our hearts on fire. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.